What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Finn Sports Football Podcast. My name is Anthony. If this is your first time here on the podcast, welcome. If not, welcome back. Victory Monday, baby. Finn's up, first of all. Uh, this team moves to 5-3 and three on the season. Um, certainly, there is a lot to talk about with this game. It was not the best game <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. It was sloppy. Um, there's a lot there left to be desired, but I think there's also a lot to be encouraged about, specifically on the offensive side of the ball that we're going to get into. So, you know, let's get into it. First off, happy Halloween to all those listening. Spooky season is upon us. And uh, yeah, after this, I'm a Christmas guy. My, my fiance is more of a Halloween gal. Um, so, you know, I'm excited because once November 1st hits, I'm one of those people who goes full Christmas mode. I celebrate Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. But once November 1st hits, full full Christmas mode for me. Um, so hope you're having a great Monday. Enjoying this Dolphins victory Monday. Um, and actually, you know what? Before we get into talking about the game, uh, I think it would be smart to talk about some of the trade deadline stuff. So the trade deadline's coming up on November 4th. We're three days away from it. And as of this morning, the main names that I'm hearing that the Dolphins are interested in are Kareem Hunt and Bradley Chubb. Uh, let me discuss the Bradley Chubb thing because this morning it's been more prevalent than ever. Uh, you know, I woke up, good friend of mine on Dolphins Twitter, Kev, uh, reached out and, you know, he was showing me, hey, like, did you see the whole Bradley Chubb news? I just woken up. Um, so I got to look at it, and apparently the Dolphins and Jets are both interested in Bradley Chubb, and they're interested in giving a first-round pick for him. Now, here's my issue. Um, do I like the idea of adding Bradley Chubb to this team? 100% yes. Do I like the idea of adding Bradley Chubb to this team and giving up a first-round pick for him? Absolutely not. So Bradley Chubb, if you take out this season, because obviously we're not all the way through, we don't have all the stats of how many games he's going to play, how many stats uh, and sacks he'll rack up. But if you take away this year and you look at his career, he's averaging playing only 10.5 games per season and 5.7 sacks per season. And to me, having to trade a first round pick, which in my opinion is a premium that you only save for the best of the best if you're trading a first round pick for him and then you're going to have to pay him 17 18 million dollars a year it is not at all worth it the only way i could kind of swallow the pick is if you were able to trade away emmanuel agba and his contract next year which is like in the 16 millions but even that giving up a first round pick again for a player who is good but in my opinion is not great uh, not ideal. So I do have to address that. I would love Bradley Chubb on this team, maybe for like a third round pick, maybe a conditional second, depending on how much he played. But yeah, no, for a first round pick, I, I'm out on that. I do know that this uh, has a lot of weight to it. I know Peter King's talked about it, both Patreons that I'm subscribed to. Um, and these people know and have way better sources than most people out there. And I trust them that they know more than me. Um, both Patreons have been like, yeah, Bradley Chubb is a real thing like that's being discussed right now. I'm just not a fan of it. I'm not trying to say that it's not true. I'm just trying to say I'm not a fan of adding Bradley Chubb, especially especially for a first-round pick. Just too rich for my blood. Then with Kareem Hunt, uh, Tyreek Hill posted a, a story 
and it was a picture of him and Kareem Hunt together, and he said, miss you, bro, and Kareem Hunt shared it on his story and said, miss you too, with the song Perfect Timing. Now, I don't know if this means perfect timing, meaning the trade is going to happen, or if it means perfect timing, like, hey, this would be the perfect time for us to get back together. I'm not sure. The uh, thought of adding Kareem Hunt to this offense instead of Chase Edmonds is phenomenal. I mean, Kareem Hunt gives you what you're missing on this offense, which is a true explosive pass-catching running back. Um, And I think that, you know, you look at all the stuff that's going on with Chase Edmonds, the drop touchdowns, the drop first downs, like this offense really needs that element back because I think that it'll help Tua even more than, than all the weapons he has right now. Um, and I just, I think Kareem Hunt, when you add the explosion and kind of the contrast that he would bring to the table with Mostert, it would be phenomenal. Definitely not a need, not a priority, uh, but certainly something that, again, I think they're wanting a fourth round pick for him. Yeah, I'd give up a fourth round pick for Kareem Hunt right now, for sure. Uh, considering the last fourth round pick you had is Eric Ezekama, who for one reason or another, you have decided not to start all season. So yeah, I'll give up a fourth round pick for Kareem Hunt. And then the other players who have been kind of circulating, uh, circulating, circu- uh, circulating, oh my goodness, that took a while. The other names that have been circulating that I've heard about that the Dolphins are interested in and that teams are interested in trading are um, Taylor Moten, who's a right tackle for the Panthers. Now the Panthers have kind of picked up steam lately with PJ Walker. Uh, so I'm not sure if that's still on the table, but P, uh, Taylor Moten's one of the best right tackles in the NFL. So obviously that'd be a phenomenal need. I'm heard, I'm, I've, I've heard that the going price for Taylor Moten's a second round pick, which I would easily do for a top five right tackle in the NFL. And the other name that I've heard is Roquan Smith, uh, not necessarily to the dolphins, but I've heard he's available. Um, and, I personally, if I was ranking needs on this team, I would say that Taylor Moten and Roquan are both equal and they're both 10 out of 10 priorities. The main weakness on this defense, and I've said this since I've had a podcast, the main weakness on this defense is linebacker. And I think we kind of all saw in the Lions game, we'll break it down, but our linebackers are not good. Landon Roberts is really good at hitting people and Jerome Baker is good at one thing and that's blitzing. Can't cover guys. He's fast. He's not super strong. He's not super physical. And neither of them are three down linebackers. So in my opinion, the priority in the trade deadline should be number one depth. If you can't get any big name guys, but if you can, Roquan Smith and Taylor Moten, just because I, again, a first for Bradley Chubb. And now even, even if he was healthy and played all the seasons and uh, I, I just don't think giving up a first for that position is, is, is a need right now especially it's like an offseason after you gave Emmanuel Ogba a 16.5 million dollar contract per year I don't know it just reeks of like not knowing what you're doing so yeah not a fan of the Bradley Chubb trade for sure so that's what I'm hearing right now circulating in the trade uh trade rumors before the trade deadline but obviously by the next time we do this podcast I'll probably, we'll probably know way more because the Dolphins may have traded for someone because I'll do a podcast sometime on Friday. I'll do it like Friday morning. Um, so yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll know a lot more, but I'm just not really a huge fan of the Bradley Chubb thing. And I find it hard to believe that a team 
like the Dolphins with a with a GM like Greer who is so like adamant about keeping his picks unless it's for Tyree Kill. I find it hard to believe that he'd just be willing to give up a, a first round pick for someone like that. That's just my opinion. But anyway, let's get into this game, guys. So the Dolphins moved to five and three on the season, back in second place in our division in the playoff picture right now, as of right now. Um, and we defeated the Detroit Lions in Detroit by a final score of 31 to 27. Now, <laughs> first thing I want to talk about um, doesn't really have to do with anything specific to our team. Kind of does. Um, but the, the, the penalties. Um, I got to I got to like really breathe when I talk about this because I could get heated, man. <clears throat> the Dolphins committed seven penalties in this game. And if you didn't watch the game and you just looked at the stat sheet, you'd be like, eh, seven penalties, like, we could certainly do better, but that's not that bad. Dan Campbell was out here declining penalties like they were store credit cards. Like, seven penalties for 55 yards does not tell the full story. The Dolphins had, in the first half alone, it was like 10 penalties. Only, like, four of them were called. Because a lot of them were declined because it'd be like encroachment, neutral zone infraction, illegal contact, but they'd still get like a 20-yard play. So they just declined it. Um, But the Dolphins had committed like 10 penalties in the first half alone. That is inexcusable. They need to fix it. This team all year has been very sloppy. They have not had the discipline that they've had in years past. I understand that's going to happen when you have a new head coach especially a coach that is completely 180 of Brian Flores and is way more loosey-goosey, chill, you know, that's going to happen. But 10 penalties in one half is unacceptable. With that being said, the refereeing yesterday was absolutely atrocious. And this goes to a bigger topic that's not specific to the Miami Dolphins. It's not specific to the Detroit Lions. The refereeing in the NFL has become unbearable to watch. And it's upsetting and it pisses me off as a fan because going into a game, the biggest obstacle you have to overcome should not be the officiating. And week in and week out, I mean, you guys are seeing it too. You watch Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night football, other games on the Sunday slate, and you see it. Bad pass interference calls, missed holding calls roughing the passer calls that it's just like what are we doing here taunting calls like there's been so many calls in the NFL this year where I'm just like what are we doing here like it's been so bad and in this game like I don't know uh kind of sharing a little bit of insight on how like refereeing works in the NFL because I didn't know this until like last year so maybe there's some of you out there who don't know this so the NFL appoints a bunch of head refs and those head refs kind of like head coaches pick their team so you are not getting the same quality of officiating every single week when you play you are going to get different officiating based off of the different crews that you face And so, obviously, if you are playing the Detroit Lions and you're the Miami Dolphins who are good but aren't elite right now, you're not going to get the best officiating crews. 
They're going to save those for the Sunday night football. They're going to save those for the big games in the Sunday uh, early morning categories. That's what they're going to get those refs for. And what happens is you have certain referees, kind of like certain coaches, that have different points of emphasis. And clearly, yesterday's point of emphasis was we're going to call every single person and their brother for neutral zone infraction. I'm sorry, guys. I, I, you cannot sit here and convince me that yesterday, 90% of those neutral zone infraction BS calls were on, were not on the officiating. You can't convince me that they weren't. They were. Because I can't sit here and believe that Christian Wilkins, Melvin Ingram, and Xavier Howard, three players who have a combined 21 years of NFL experience, all of a sudden didn't know how to line up not in the neutral zone. Like they were calling Christian Wilkins, like they called him like four times for a neutral zone infraction. They called Melvin Ingram. They called Xavier Howard. Like what? Xavier Howard lining up in the neutral zone. Like what are we doing here? And the refereeing was just so bad. It's like I, it was unbearable to watch. There was certainly a good amount of times where it was the Dolphins fault um, and they need to get it fixed up because good teams don't do that. Good teams don't shoot themselves in the foot. And between the turnover from Braylon Sanders and all the penalties, the Dolphins were given the Lions every reason to, to win this game. But like the refereeing in the NFL has gotten so bad. And I had to say it because like, again, I'm a football fan. I'm a Dolphins fan first. But like watching football anymore, it's like the, the refs have made it a look at me show. And the refs have been like, hey, like, I know, you know, you guys are getting paid millions of dollars to play this sport, but like, I'm the one who's going to decide the game, not you. And the refs have way too much power and they have zero accountability. Like at the very end of games, you can't interview a ref and be like, hey, why'd you like what happened on this call? Like it was it was blatantly obvious that this was not, you know, roughing the passer or it was a holding call, but they're not held accountable. And these refs can just go in, do whatever they want, ruin these games, and then get off scot-free. And it's BS to me. It's BS. It's ruining the sport. Um, and, you know, with the neutral zone infraction penalties, like I should have known that these refs don't know what the hell they're doing when I saw the Trent Shurfield touchdown. Because the blind man that Jesus healed in the New Testament could have seen that that was a touchdown. I mean, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, if I can tell, because it wasn't like this fast-paced play where it's like seeing if he got two toes down in the back of the end zone. Like, did you not see that he reached his hand over into the end zone and his knee was not down? I could see it from, I could see it from my television. And here's the thing. And after having gone to an NFL game, there is zero excuse to get missed calls because the referees, if they ever have a call like that, literally just look up at the Jumbotron. They replay the exact play and they zoom in on it. And if I were a referee, again, what am I trying to do? Am I trying to make a call and be like, hey, I don't care if it's right or not. This is my call and be power hungry. Or am I trying to make the right calls and be a good ref? And I feel like that's the problem we have where it's like, if you don't call that touchdown, Okay, I get it if you're blind and you didn't see it, but look up at the Jumbotron and see that clearly his knee is not down and he's reaching over the end zone. 
it was just horrible. And yes, we got a touchdown on that drive, but it's certain things like that where it's like, what are we doing here? How are you not seeing it? Where's the disconnect that you, two people on the end zone, are not seeing that he reached over without touching his knee on the ground, yet me, a Joe Schmo who knows very little about football comparatively, can see that he had his knee up and was reaching over. Like, it was clearly a touchdown. I don't even think it was kind of close. I don't think anyone in their right mind was like, wait, was that a touchdown? Like, everyone thought it was. And, uh, like, I I question why McDaniel didn't challenge it. I guess because first and goal at the one, you don't need to challenge it. Just, you have three tries to get one yard, so you don't need to challenge it. I don't blame him as much. But just the referees, it's like, how do you not call that? And it was kind of like that last week, if you remember. Last week, no Igbenogany gets two feet in. We all see it clear as day, and they call it that guy standing right there in front of him rules it incomplete. The refereeing has been absolutely atrocious this year in the NFL, and it's not going to get fixed until they start paying these guys full-time. Until they start paying these guys full-time because then people will actually want to pursue it as a career. Right now, they don't get paid full-time. So they can't focus all of their resources and attention on getting better at their craft. And so, again, it's just been such a big problem. You know, I look at the stuff like with Teddy Bridgewater standing up and then ruling him out for that week and the week after because he was in concussion protocol for nothing at all. It's stuff like that where it's just like, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't know if it's an agenda against the Miami Dolphins, but it has been awful. I mean... Jalen Phillips, there were so many calls yesterday where like Jalen Phillips is getting held and he's lifting his arms as he's being held saying like, why aren't you calling this and nothing? There was a third and seven uh, for the Dolphins offense. Half of the offensive, half of the defensive line for the Lions jumped off sides, jumped early. No flag was called. It ends up being an incomplete pass. Fourth and seven, the Dolphins have to punt it when it would have been third and two. Knowing how good Tua is on third down, you convert it and it extends the drive. But no, missed calls, no consistency all over the place, BS encroachment calls and neutral zone infraction calls. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The Dolphins have to fix their penalties. Yes, 100%. But at a certain point, the referees need to be at the same standard that these players hold themselves to. And it, there, there isn't. There is a large gap in the talent and, and standard of NFL players and coaches and NFL referees. And unless you get like one of the two crews, uh, uh, I don't know their exact name, I see their faces, but unless you get like one of the top two or three referee crews, you're kind of screwed every week because these guys don't know what the hell they're talking about and, and they don't know what they're doing and they have no accountability, which just is, oh, it's so frustrating as a Dolphins fan. You know, and I and I'm someone who considers myself a fair fan. Um, there were definitely a lot of calls where, like the taunting call by Landon Roberts, like whether you agree with it or not, you can't stand over a player on the sideline and stare at him. Like the taunting rule has been in the NFL now for two years. You should know this. You should be smarter. That was a stupid play. Like I can admit when the Dolphins have a, a bad call, but if you're gonna call stuff, you have to be consistent with it. And you can't be calling Christian Wilkins on four neutral zone infraction penalties when I don't think in his four-year career he's ever been called for four total. Like, it's just ridiculous. It's stupid. And I'm hoping hoping that the Dolphins don't have to deal with a lot of more games like this in the future. Um, 
So yeah, so I had to get that out of the way because it's not really a part of the game, but it is a huge part of the game, so I needed to address it. Next up, we need to talk about the defense. And this is difficult because I could sit here and say, I told you so, but it doesn't benefit anyone and we still all have to deal with this defense. And so like, it's not benefiting anyone for me to sit here and be like, ha, like I'm not here to prove an agenda. I hear, I'm here to tell you what I hear, tell you what rumors I'm hearing. Um, and at the end of the day, hope the best for the team. But if you've been listening to this podcast, which if you have, thank you. And if you haven't, make sure to subscribe, give us a review. I would love to get a review for Finn Sports Football. Um, but if you've been listening to this podcast, if you remember, I did a podcast episode and I remember making it. I was in New York City visiting uh, and I was in my hotel room and I made a podcast ranking the the coaches based off of how I felt about how they addressed the coaching staff, what types of coaches they got. Um, and I remember my biggest gripe was when the Dolphins kept Josh Boyer I said, I do not like this move. And the reason I said that is not because of me. Again, it's it's because I trust people that I hear information from because I know where they're getting it from. Like they're getting it from players in that locker room. And when I hear things like Josh Boyer's a fraud, Josh Boyer wasn't calling plays half of last season. And then later on, it's... We, we find out Gerald Alexander's wife literally comes out and says, yeah, it was Flores and Gerald Alexander in the second half. And we still have people that are like, they're lying. Really? A coach of the Dolphins knows less than you? Uh, uh, like, come on, guys. And so when I heard all of this stuff and I was like, man, I'm hearing like people are telling me that Xavier Howard has said to people like Omar Kelly, who have come out and talked about this and they've mentioned it to people that I talked to, that Xavier Howard and Emmanuel Ogba wanted $3 million extra in their contracts to play for Josh Boyer. Well, Xavier Howard wanted $17 million a year to be above Byron. He ended up getting 20 That's three. Emmanuel Ogbo was rumored to be getting about $13 million a year. During last season, he ended up getting 16 and a half. So, coincidence? I think not. And we're starting to see... That this defense, while it's not bad, I'm not trying to say that Josh Boyer sucks. I'm not trying to say that he's horrible. But we're starting to see that we are no longer that elite defense that we've been in years past. Which is a shame because when you have the talent we have on defense, even without Byron Jones, I understand we have injuries. But when you have the talent that we have, there is no excuse to be giving up 27 points in one half to the Detroit Lions. There's no excuse. And I understand you shut them out in the second half and the stats looked really uh, inflated because of that first half, but you can't, you can't, I'm sorry. Like the, the Patriots who I think we all can agree we are a better team than the Patriots, they held the Detroit Lions to zero points. And I'm not saying that you have to hold a team to zero points. If you remember from last episode, I said the Dolphins would win 38 to 21, but you can have a similar score but a different mindset. Never in a million years did I think that the Dolphins would give up 27 points in one half and only win by four points. Like, 
if you're telling me, hey, the Dolphins were up like 31 to 14 and then as the game got out of hand, like they gave up touchdowns and stuff like that, that's different. But giving up three touchdowns in the first 16 minutes of play is unexcusable. Watching that game and watching how easy it was for the Lions to march down the field on their first three drives was sickening to watch. And I'm sitting here asking myself, where's the elite defense that we saw at the end of last year and in 2020? And the reality is that defense left with Brian Flores. Because you and I can say whatever we want about Flores. I do not like him. I am so thankful he's not the head coach of our team. But that man could call defense. And when he left, so did the elite defense. And right now what you have, all the rankings of the Dolphins defense, except run defense, show that the Dolphins have a middle of the pack to slightly below average defense in every category. The only good category that the Dolphins have is we're like a top seven team in rush defense. That's it. And mostly that's because teams just pass on us because our secondary is so injured. But again, like this defense, it's there's we're no longer elite. And I think we're holding on to that mindset of like, oh, the Dolphins defense is elite. Like, no, it's not. And most likely at the end of the season, Josh Boyer will probably get canned uh, and go somewhere else. Because, again, like, there's no excuse for not starting Eric Rowe. They, he talked about, he was like, yeah, well, you know, Eric Rowe can't play special teams, and so we didn't want him out there. Well, your defense sucked without him, and, and you, didn't, you didn't allow a punt until, like, the, the third or fourth quarter. So you didn't really need a special team, or did you? No, maybe you should get the guy out there who's going to play way more snaps on defense, who's experienced in this scheme, and knows what the hell he's doing. No offense to Varon McKinley, but he's an undrafted rookie for a reason. Eric Rowe's been in this scheme now. This is his fourth year, fourth or third year. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think when he came. Was he here in 2019? I don't remember. But point is, this is his. he's been in this scheme for his whole career, basically, dating back to New England. You start the guy that's going to play more snaps on defense and knows what the hell he's doing. Um, and again, it's moves like that. It's moves like still having... Jalen Phillips drop back in coverage. Like, what are we doing here? It's just stubborn. And the defense really pissed me off. And I think luckily we can sit here and have somewhat of a good light mood about it because we won. Thank God for Tua and McDaniel and the wide receivers. But yeah, the Dolphins defense needs to step the hell up. I can only imagine what Xavier Howard is thinking right now. Uh, Byron Jones, I'm just going to say this. I would be shocked if he played another game this season. That's all I'll say. Okay, I'd be shocked if Byron Jones played another. He's. I don't think he's come back this season. Whether he gets traded, and even if he doesn't get traded, um, again, there there's rumors going around that the Dolphins are exploring trade offers. They asked about Jalen Ramsey, um, and they've asked about other cornerbacks, big name cornerbacks out there. They wouldn't be asking about that if Byron Jones had long term stability on this team. He's either not coming back this season or they're trying to get rid of him. And after knowing that he was a Flores guy and so was Eric Rowe, kind of makes sense what's happening right now. So, you know, take with that what you want. But defense was highly upsetting. And next week you're going to play a Bears team that even though they're not great, they put up, I mean, I'm trying to see right now. I should have looked this up, but I'm just thinking of this off the top of my head. 
I want to say that the Bears put up like 30 points on the on the uh, Dallas Cowboys, who have one of the most dangerous. They put up 29 points against the Dallas Cowboys. The Bears did. And they have a much better pass rush and a much healthier defense. So Dolphins better wake the hell up on defense. Because next week, I don't have a lot of respect for Justin Fields. I don't think he's the greatest quarterback ever. And I think that when compared to someone like Jared Goff, he probably will make way more mistakes. But nonetheless, you're having someone who's way more explosive, has a way better arm, and can run the football. So you better figure something out. Because giving up, again, 27 points to the Lions, making the Lions look like the greatest show on turf in the first half, inexcusable. But luckily... The Dolphins have someone on their team named Tua Tungavailoa. And luckily for Dolphins fans, Tua came out yesterday and had what I consider the second best game of his career. Only behind, I still think the Arizona game, his rookie year, was his best game. When you talk about degree of difficulty, only being his like second start as a as a NFL player, he comes out and throws for over 300 yards, I think like three touchdowns maybe. He, he was unstoppable in that game. And he had to be because the defense was giving up tons of points. That's still his best game as a professional to me. But this is now number two. And I think he played an even better game than the Ravens game. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the Ravens game with the blown coverages on the Tyreek bombs, he threw two interceptions, which were costly. Um, This was just a much cleaner, much more efficient game. So Tua ended yesterday. Uh, with 29 for 36, which is over 80% completion rating, 382 yards, and three touchdowns. And he was averaging 13 yards per attempt in the air. On top of that, he also had, I'm trying to see uh, how many rushing yards he had, because I believe he had, yeah, he had 19 yards rushing on top of that. Okay, ended with 138.7 passer rating, a QBR of 92.8 on a scale of 1 to 100. That's that's going to be really good. Three touchdowns, no picks. So, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> you tell me. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And early on, I'll say, like, there were two passes that, again, if, I, if I'm going to be really supportive of two, I also have to be critical in areas because that's how you create a non-biased opinion and I want people to know that when I say things I mean them I'm not just saying them for clicks or to be a troll Tua played a phenomenal game there were two throws one both to Tyreek Hill he had to put his whole body into a 43 yard pass indoors didn't like that at all Uh, and then he underthrew a pass to Tyreek Hill um, where if he hits him in stride he's wide open has no one in front of him and it's going to be like a 45 yard touchdown But nonetheless, he still played phenomenal. It was still his second best game as a pro. And thank God for him, Jalen Waddle, and Tyreek Hill. Because if it wasn't for them, Dolphins might have gotten blown off the field. Um, I mean, what can you say about Tua Tungvaluwa right now? Okay, let me share this stat with you. Tua Tungvaluwa, on third down, this is just one down. On third down this season... Tua Tungavailoa has a passer rating of 142.7 on a scale of 1 to 158.3. Has a rating of 142.7, 492 yards passing, and 7 touchdowns in 6 games on 3rd down. If you want to compare that 
and and ask like, hey, is that good? Zach Wilson and Mac Jones combined on every down this whole season have six touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So Tua has more touchdowns on third down alone than Mac Jones and Zach Wilson have this whole entire season. That's how elite this man is playing on third down. And it got to the point yesterday where it was like, like, just get to third down and let Tua do something. I mean, the man is has a 72% completion rating on third down this season. Like, are you joking with me? Like, zero interceptions, seven touchdowns? Like, it, it's unheard of. Okay, Jalen Waddell and uh, Tyreek Hill. Like, I'm starting to come to, like, the realization, like, we need to stop saying the Dolphins have a phenomenal number two. Jalen Waddle's a number one, but unfortunately, he's playing next to the best wide receiver in football, so he's considered a number two. But Stefan Diggs yesterday put up 108 yards receiving, and people were like, man, he was lighting it up. Jalen Waddle had 100 and, let's see, 102 yards receiving, I believe it was, 106 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. So Jalen Waddle had a better day than the Bills' number one wide receiver, and he's technically our number two. Tyreek Hill, 12 receptions, 188 yards. Okay, this is his fourth. I, I want you to think about this because just saying a stat like that doesn't give it full justice. Tyreek Hill has four, I repeat, four 160-plus yard receiving games. Okay. Duper had six, and it took him a hundred. It took him sixty-nine games to get to that. Tyreek Hill has four already, and he's been a Dolphin for eight games. So on this pace, again on this pace, he will have thirty-two of these games by the time he reaches the amount of games Duper played. Like Tyreek Hill will get to six by the end of this season. I don't think we're understanding how elite he has been. Okay, him and Jalen Waddle are the fastest wide receiver duo ever to get to 961 or uh, to get to 1688 receiving yards. Okay, Tyreek Hill 961 receiving yards on the year. Jalen Waddle 727. Tyreek Hill leads the NFL. Jalen Waddle is fourth, and they're both on the same team. They've now combined for 1,688 receiving yards through eight games, the most by any teammates through eight games in the Super Bowl era. Do we understand that we are witnessing history before our very eyes? And mind you, what's even crazier about all this is that half of the games this season, or three of the games this season, they didn't even have their starting quarterback. Like, these guys are doing this, and three of the games this season... They've had Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. That just shows me, A, to all those people out there who are like, Tyree Kill's not the best wide receiver. Yeah, get out of here. Tyree Kill's the best wide receiver in the NFL, and I don't really think it's close. And then Jalen Waddle is a top 10. I would say he's in the 6 to 8 range. But, like, the Dolphins have the best wide receiver and a top 8 wide receiver on their team. And to all those people who said it wouldn't work, Tyreek Hill's going to struggle without Patrick Mahomes, uh, I think we're realizing that both of them were really good. (laughs) And just because they're not together doesn't mean they won't be good anymore. 
And so hats off to Mike McDaniel for actually learning and creating a scheme and plays designed for these guys that will help them. And hats off to Tua, to Tua for just lighting it up, man. I, I don't really know what else to say. Tua right now is on pace because he'll he'll only play 14 games max this season. Tua right now, these are the stats he's on pace for. 3,300 yards, 67% completion percentage, 31 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Do we understand the greatness in that? If Tua were to, like, I don't think people quite get this stat right here. So that's 14 games because, you know, he got injured. And this is why I say, like, man, if he didn't get injured, like, he needs to stay healthy and slide and not take hits and give up on plays because, guys... His he would be on pace right now if he played all 17 games. These are the stats he'd be on pace for. He would be on pace for 4,000 yards passing, 38 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Do we understand that? Like that's phenomenal. That is great. Um, and that is like what two is on pace for. He got injured three games, so now he's on pace for still over 3,000 passing yards. Under 10 interceptions and over 30 touchdowns. It's it's incredible. He's having a great season. I would say right now there's no doubt that he is a top half of the NFL quarterback. As far as top 10, I don't really know. I have to look at the landscape of the NFL right now. He's certainly statistically a top five quarterback. But nonetheless, he's a he has proven that at least right now, he is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Easily top 15. Um, Now, will this continue as we're having to play in those cold games, the snow games, maybe rain games? We will see. That's really been my biggest question with Tua this year is his longevity of arm strength. Because I know when he plays indoors and in Miami, I still question how strong his arm is. But like, I don't really think it's that much of an issue because he has such beautiful anticipation. However, when you play in those cold, windy games and that ball has to get there on a rope because you can't use that anticipation, that's what I need to see from Tua. And again, if he continues to play like this, I mean, it's wild. It's just incredible what he's doing right now. Hats off to him. He is single-handedly single-handedly the reason why we won that game yesterday we had to defy the refs we had to overcome the defense which just was complete ass in the first half and we did dolphins won 31 27 again we moved to five and three on the season we're in the playoff picture right now second in division um and we got a game next week in uh miami actually it's in miami against the chicago bears where again Based off how the the Dolphins play this week, that's not a gimme game. To all of us, including myself, that were like, we should be winning the next four games. We won one of them, but it didn't look pretty. And the defense better step up or we're going to need two to throw three, four touchdowns every game to keep us in. So my hope is that they learn. My hope is that by the time next week, they at least add someone of significance that can help on the defense or offensive line, but we shall see. Nonetheless, guys, enjoy Halloween. Enjoy this victory Monday. 
and I'll see you guys next time on Friday to discuss our matchup with the Chicago Bears. Have a great rest of your day. Fins up. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.